This is Hashtag Authentic, a podcast for creatives, dreamers and entrepreneurs online. I'm your host, Sarah Tasker, a certified life coach specialising in creative business and teaching all things relating to the platform that changed my life, Instagram. This is episode 99. my friends how are you doing it is a very rainy bank holiday monday here as i record this you might even be able to hear the rain in the background it is so heavy and despite it being may so springtime here in the uk i just cannot get warm in fact i think after i've recorded this intro i may have to go and get under a duvet for a while with my cat just to thaw out before i carry on with the rest of my day so today's episode at least is very heartwarming i'm going to be talking with my friend and certified life coach sally hardy who i first met when we were put in the same class together when we were certifying with brooke castillo's life coach school last year Sally and I just immediately hit it off in that magical way that sometimes happens and through all of our coaching practice and our assignments we got to know each other extremely well. We kind of went deep from the start and have forged a really intimate friendship that I think is going to stand the test of time. I'm also just such a fan of Sally's insight and her brain and the coaching magic she does in the world. So I'm actually going to be bringing her in and roping her in is perhaps a better expression for this next round of the Insta Retreat. We trialed it a bit last time in the last class and it was just such a huge success. We got such amazing feedback from people. So for this class that's currently enrolling until Wednesday, you're going to be able to access double the number of coaching calls. So you still get the class application call with me each week where we work through your specific Instagram dilemmas, we work through the coursework, but you're also going to get a weekly bonus call where it's both me and Sally and you can get coached on all the mindset mess that also comes up along the way when we're trying to do this social media madness. So things like comparisonitis, that fear of being seen and being judged, fear of failure, all that jazz. This probably isn't going to be a permanent addition to the class as much as I'd like it to be. If you want to take advantage of this bonus, you should join us for this round. You can head to meandallet.co.uk and click courses or just follow the link in the show notes to find out all the juicy details. There is zero extra cost for these extra calls and Sally's rates to work with her one-to-one are significant. So the value that she is bringing and that we're both bringing in these extra calls, I really think is worth the price of the class alone. So I'm really excited. My favorite thing is to just delight the people in my classes. And I know this is going to do that. Anyway, on to today's conversation. I need to give you a heads up that for whatever reason, my microphone decided to flake out during this call. So all of my audio is captured by the microphone in my laptop instead of this lovely one I normally use. So my sound is a little bit sketchy, but Sally's audio is beautiful. And seeing as she's the one that brings all the value here, I think you're going to still love hearing all that she's got to say. Let's get started. Hi, Sally. Welcome to my podcast. 
Thank you so much, Sarah. I'm super excited and still kind of a little bit nervous. That's okay. We don't need to be nervous because we're just all friends here, literally, especially you and me. Um, <laughs> give everybody the spiel of introduction to you and then we can talk a bit about how we met. Mm, okay, so my name is Sally Hardy and it's Sally with a Y and Hardy with an IE, which everybody seems to get the wrong way around. Sally with an IE, <laughs> Hardy with a Y. I am a certified life coach with the Life Coach School, and specifically, I'm a coach for successful women who feel unfulfilled in their lives. I don't know any of them. Are you sure they exist? They definitely <laughs> exist. They definitely <laughs> exist. And they are the most wonderful creatures in the world. They, you know, my, my, uh, they're beautiful people because they are smart, outwardly successful women whose lives look great on paper but they've been kind of sold the story. So they've done all the things that they should have yes. done, but they're generally just not happy. And then on top of that, not happiness, they're feeling guilty because on paper they have it all. So they don't really feel like they have any right to be happy. And it's largely just because they're not living their own life. They're living, they, they can, actually Sarah, a lot of it, because I've been thinking about this a lot in preparation for talking to you. So this is my mm. first podcast and you know, I love kind of being prepared for things um, as much as possible. Um, And I was thinking, well, you know, a lot about my kind of, you know, we call it the ICA, the ideal client avatar. And you kind of climb into the head of, of your person. And I was like, well, why is it that we go through our adult lives kind of accepting this thing that we were sold when we were younger? Like, what, what is it? What kind of primes us for that? And when I look at my clients, I can kind of go, actually, they all had really structured education in their lives Mm. and or they came from families that had very high expectations of them. And largely they have met and probably exceeded the expectations of families and and friends and peer groups and, and people that they've worked with. But they've done it kind of to other people's expectations. So they've done it to. Um, like I, I've got a lawyer who who actually wanted to be a dancer. So that's that's very uh, extreme. That's kind of like an extreme version where she does want to change a lot of stuff. But equally, I've got someone who is very happy with the success that she've achieved and doesn't want to lose it all, but just kind of wants to bring life on board. So kind of how I think about it a little bit is is almost like they're you know my my clients are very often kind of like a cat at work and a mouse at home oh I like that you're so good you always have the best analogies Sally I love it analogies similes analogies and yeah like I definitely have to say my own experience is like we're sort of sold the lie that once you reach the destination everything will fall into place and then you get there whatever that destination is like for me it would be like a certain follower number or like I don't know the blue tick and you get it and you're like nothing is different (laughs) absolutely nothing is different I don't believe in myself anymore yeah nothing has changed crap I'm the same now as I was before what the actual hell yeah exactly (laughs) and you've worked you've worked so hard to get to this place where you thought you'd feel valid and um it is it is scary to kind of suddenly realize actually all the work that you had waiting for you at the beginning has come along for the ride yeah, it's the truth. And and if it doesn't get addressed, it just stays there. But I think kind of in opposition to that, we have these kind of the platitudes that come out that they have got truth at their base, but they've sort of been, I don't know, watered down over the ages, I guess. You know, things like it's not the destination, it's the journey. I mean, mm. frankly, 
you know, I'm, I'm, you can't see me, but I'm kind of doing the fingers down the throat type thing. It's just, you know, sickly things like that. There's always things that you get on a Um, things that you get on a fridge magnet. Once it's on a fridge magnet, it's lost all power. Yeah. Car bumpers. That's, you know, the kind of things you see in a car bumper. Some car bumpers are excellent. Actually, my favorite car bumper is don't believe everything you think. (laughs) yeah absolutely excellent um but yeah you know we we get sold this kind of sucker story on one side that we have to succeed to to be worthy and on the other side we're told to enjoy the journey (laughs) (laughs) and it's like well hang on a minute I don't even know what that means I don't know how, how can I separate these things or even how can I join them together into one you know one kind of dovetailing jigsaw puzzle that actually makes sense in my life so before we really dig into today's topic actually I wanted to quickly talk about how you and I met because Sally and I have this amazing friendship. I think it's amazing, Sally. You oh know God, it. yeah, totally. Whether Absolutely. you agree or not, it is. <laughs> <laughs> and we met in the life coach certification process. So we were in a class together. We were peer coaches, which meant we were coaching one another for about an hour each week. And we were also coaching in a group setting in front of one another and receiving and giving feedback mm. to each other in that setting which mm. I remember telling all that I had to do that one day and she was just like yuck I would not do that. <laughs> why are you doing this voluntarily <laughs> why have you paid money to put yourself through this yeah that's even worse it's like, not just voluntary but you're paying for it <laughs> it's the and truth. what was so amazing about our friendship I think is that we went straight in at the deep end like there was no preamble there was no like how many kids have you got and what, mm. you know what did you do at university it was just like what is your childhood trauma that makes you weep <laughs> yeah, exactly. yeah what makes you cry at three o'clock in the morning right let's talk about that yeah and I think it's what is also very interesting is that kind of inside out my methodology how I how I approach everything in the world is what's on the inside to to be what can be shown mm-hmm. on the outside my previous job I was a um, an architectural interior designer and that was my tagline design your life from the inside out so it's natural that you know I would kind of carry that with me but our friendship really is an inside out friendship I knew nothing about you on Instagram nothing and in <laughs> fact I was thinking about this this morning when I was in my shower oh it's probably a little bit more information than you need to know. Um, <laughs> so you're naked okay I'm picturing it <laughs> no, no no it's fine I'm fully dressed in the shower that's absolutely fine um and I was thinking about it I was like well you know, not only did I not know anything about you on Instagram, when it appeared that quite a few other people in the group did, then when I found out your kind of <laughs> celebrity status, like yeah. your insta queenness, <laughs> I had a real kind of moral dilemma. I was like, oh God, now do I do I go and do I look at your account? Do I? And then you had a podcast as well, and I was like, oh shit, now do I listen <laughs> to her? Because now I feel. If I do that, then it's imbalanced because I'm going to know more about you than you know about me. And I'm going to know you from the outside. And I only know you so far from the inside. So I had this really, probably about two months. I don't know if I ever told you this. No. Probably about two months where I was like, I don't know if I want to know you how other people know you because I really love how I know you. And And do you know, it is silly, but it was also kind of magic for me to have someone who was a professional friend like a friend who I could talk to about work stuff but who had no preconceptions about my work if that makes sense Mm. which I think is probably something a lot of people get to take for granted but it's not something I've had for quite a while what was beautiful about that is now I very recently took uh, well in fact it was your your um your last Instagram retreat so Mm. you know pretty recently finished that 
Um, and what I what I saw in that, having given myself permission to do it, because I would just I just don't do social media at all. Mm. I feel very klutzy on it. I don't feel like I'm hung together. I know these are thoughts, but it's just not something that naturally gels to me. I'm very relationship based. But going through your Insta Retreat program, I saw in every single module the Sarah that I knew. And I thought that was so clever and so beautiful. And what I additionally love to our friendship is now that it has these different layers, whereas before I was a little scared of introducing a new layer, I was like, actually, now this is so much more rich and full because I know that you are not only just a friend, but you're also a leader in an industry who has the same kind of relationship to her business and to other people as I want to have. But I had previously, like in my in my previous business, I still had those beliefs and those values, but I had yet to find somebody else who had had success doing it. So as far as I was concerned, I was the leader in that and it felt really quite lonely. So finding somebody else who is not only just a peer, but also someone that I can look to and say, look, this model of organic growth, this model of just being yourself, of being honest, of, you know, warts and all, not in a, you know, raw, open, wound, help me mourn type way, but in a, do you know what, there's stuff going on that doesn't get discussed, like you bring very frequently, in fact, I say very frequently, probably not that frequently, um, into your Instagram world, mental health issues and mm. there is as far as I can see there are no role models out there for people who are prepared to talk about mental health and success at the same time yeah it, I mean I put some stories up just this week and thank you by the way for everything you've just said because it means such a lot to me like I don't know I can quite express how much I needed to hear those words right now but I did put some stories up this week where I was saying how I have been struggling with my mental health at the moment I think I'm not alone in that. We are in our like third lockdown. It's been a really rough 12 months for most of us. And I sort of had this little belief burrowing away in my brain that if I admitted that I was struggling, people would stop trusting me as an educator on the subjects that I educate on. And um, thankfully, I kind of shared that and shared how I was feeling and got the most beautiful Instagram hug from people who were saying, course that's nonsense and saying exactly what you said actually that it gives us all permission when people speak out about this stuff because otherwise we believe that they're mutually exclusive we believe that you either have to be successful yeah. or mentally unwell and you can't be both so yes. reminding people that actually like we're all in the mix of everything everything's 50 50 is a relief for me but hopefully also a relief for the other people too I think so but how you manage it as well how you talk about it there's no even when I'm sure that there may be moments of I don't mean to be rude but sort of moments of self-pity or a bit For of sure like oh god wallowing types all of it yeah I've known from from my history because I I mean I don't know if we've discussed it before but actually after my second child I had postnatal depression mm. which having only recently about six months ago been diagnosed with ADHD combined largely at a very gentle push from you <laughs> you might want to look at some of this literature you might find it interesting as I look back it may not have been postnatal depression it may have been um, an ADHD crash mm. which I'm still learning about all of this I'm by no means an expert on, on all of that but 
Um, I've sort of lost my train of thought. What was I talking about? How well um, you manage it oh, and yeah. how you talk about it is from a, you know, even if you are feeling a bit wallowy about the whole thing, you do your work on that. And when you come to your people, you're coming with an energy of inclusivity, which is something that I've always respected in you. I mean, you were on kind of the, you know, looking at equality from a race perspective years before it became little bunny ears topical. Um, and good that it is topical, that more people are much more aware of it, but you are well ahead of that game. I think you're well ahead of the, you know, discussing mental health game. You are just so vital to the industry um you know that it's beautiful to be your friend and to watch this happen even though I didn't know you when it was happening just to feel that there is a safe space where there is an understanding that what people say and do has a bigger impact than you think both positively and negatively not just with race but also with mental health and so many other issues gender issues you know there are there are so many things in the world that people are scared to say coming from a place where they feel too vulnerable to mm. thank you it's Sally. beautiful that you bring these things up and it's it gives me strength and it gives me belief that I can be the business owner that I want to be and I can be the leader that I want to be because I'm not following your path but I'm using your light as inspiration that is so beautiful to hear. I don't know if I feel worthy of all of it, but um, I'm going to well, just have a little chat about that. Should we coach later on? That's, that's uh, entirely my deal. <laughs> um, but thank you. And I didn't invite you on the podcast just to say nice things about me. But um... yeah, and to be honest, I wasn't planning on it, but it came out. <laughs> Stop me. <laughs> well, yeah, just tell everyone I'm amazing. We'll keep it in there. <laughs> thank you. Let's start then by defining what people pleasing even is. I mean, I think we all have a sense of it. It's fairly self-explanatory, but give me a real world explanation of how it shows up. So I take a pretty hard line on this, actually, and I've had to uh, because I've wanted to catch it in myself. And sometimes I talk to myself kindly and sometimes I have to have like a bit of a, a Nike attitude about it. Just do it. <laughs> so for me, people pleasing is lying and manipulating situations and other people to feel better about yourself that's really what it boils down to and that's kind of punchy that is punchy but I would say that is not how it feels on the surface a lot of the time when we do it you're absolutely right that is what it really is at its root but I found and I still find for myself a lot of the time people pleasing comes in a fancy dress and it's oh, yes. like I'm just being polite I'm just considering other people's feelings yeah I'm just showing love <laughs> yeah. yes 100% I mean sometimes it can be really obvious I mentioned earlier on about people who train in one profession where they really want to be doing something else they're drawn to something else or they don't really know what they're drawn to but it's you know they just kind of fall into something because they know it's going to make somebody else proud I mean that's a that's a fairly big example and it can be something a little bit smaller than that, like, you know, going out on a date and saying you like football to watch a football match with this guy who you fancy or girl who you fancy when actually you prefer rugby. It's, you know, it can come in different sizes and it can also be really subtle. 
just tiny little edges of things that give you an unnerving feeling. Like for me, for example, this morning, so I do this process called Monday Hour One, which is where you sit down for an hour. Ironically, I do it on a Sunday night just to be difficult. So <laughs> Sunday night, Hour One. And you plan the rest of your week. And I haven't been doing it. And I didn't do it this week. And I was sitting thinking, right, I need to get to the nuts and bolts of why I'm not doing this. What is it about the Monday hour? What is it about scheduling my calendar? Sorry, I should have explained. That's what Monday hour one does. <laughs> it schedules your calendar. Um, you put down all of your things that you need to do and then you you schedule them into your calendar. And for me, it works brilliantly for my brain because it ensures that I, I actually end up with a product at the end of the day rather than sitting around twiddling my thumbs, knowing I have a lot to do and not doing any of it. But this morning I was like, right, I need to get to the nuts and bolts of why I'm not doing this. What is it about Monday hour one that's kind of turning me off? Why do I not want to do it? And I, sat, I thought, I thought, and I was like, well, you know, it's, it, do I find it restrictive? Not really. I quite like it. Why am I not doing this? Anyhow, it turns out the reason I'm not doing it is because of homeschooling. Mm -hmm. But it's not actually the homeschooling. It's because I'm worried about how my husband is going to receive my schedule. So if you dig into that a little bit further, I'm not doing something because I'm afraid, that sounds like I'm not literally afraid, I'm not going to do anything awful, but my worry is that it's going to be poorly received. So I am changing something that I am doing to manipulate a situation, to try and not have the feeling of either, um, you know, I tend to get in quite a bubble, I get very focused, and it has been levied sometime in the past, that it's sometimes to the exclusion of family members, <laughs> and, you know, friends and life in general. And that comes back to haunt me. So I'm like, Oh, my gosh, if I tell him all of these things that I've got booked in, some of them are movable, some of them aren't, he's going to be something fill in the blank i'm sure that everybody listening has had a situation where they thought oh i really don't want to do this because the reaction is going to be x y or z he's going to be cross he's going to feel frustrated that he can't do his stuff he's going to basically i'm going to have to manage his emotions now at the root of it i know that i cannot manage his emotions i'm not in control of his emotions at all but here i am trying like Bilio to control absolutely <laughs> everything. But that was quite subtle. And it took me probably 15 minutes of sitting down and really giving myself a good hard Paddington Bear stare to figure out why it was that I wasn't doing this thing that I know is really helpful for me. And I can imagine popping into some people's heads right now, like they're like, well, what's the difference? Is that people pleasing or is that just being considerate of my husband's feelings? Yeah. Okay, actually, that's a really good point. And that's something that's something that I wrangled with for some time. And eventually, again, in the shower, fully clothed, of course, <laughs> I had this kind of um, this pop of realization where I'm like, actually, it all comes down to this. Drum roll. <laughs> all comes down to this. If you are doing something where whatever you're doing produces a result that you make mean something about you, chances are you're people-pleasing. Oh, hang so, on. Say oh, that again for us. I know, I know. I'm going to tease that out. I think that's awful. <laughs> I think that's awesome, rather, not awful. You can remove that from the edit. Um, so, for example, if I use my example this morning of the, of the Monday hour one, 
so I could be, and I'm slightly spitballing now, I haven't prepared this, so bear with Sorry. me. Um, I could be compassionately working a schedule that I know works for me and that gives me flexibility so that I can help out with homeschooling and be in communication with my husband to make sure that he can also get done from a work perspective what it is that he wants to do, needs to do. So that's one way of doing it. I don't mm -hmm. think that's people pleasing. That's compromise. That's yeah, that's compromise. That's something that we're all having to we're having to manage. But actually, what I was trying to manage was his response to something that I was doing in advance. In advance. So it was stalling me from doing something because I was trying to manage a situation. So the end result was something that I was going to make mean something about me. So if he then, so I could do exactly what I was planning on doing. Um, this is my schedule, even without compromise. This is my schedule. This is what I'm going to do. Put it in front of him. You just need to, to you know, work around that chuckles. And then his emotions are his emotions. That's not people pleasing. That's not necessarily in line with the values I want to have, but that's not people pleasing. But what I was thinking was, well, I'm going to put this in front of him. He's going to have a reaction and then I'm going to feel bad. Now, why am I going to feel bad? I'm going to feel bad because I'm making his reaction mean something about me, mean that I was inconsiderate or that I'm inflexible or that I'm back in this bubble that is my kind of my hangover. Right. And that is why, I mean, we wouldn't go to the extent of all of this pre-planning and trying to control other people's opinions of us unless it had a bottom line like that. Unless it was that, you know, I need my mother-in-law to believe that I'm polite or a good cook or whatever it is in order to believe that I'm a good cook or polite myself. Right. Or it's pinging off something that we believe. So I need my mother-in-law to think that I'm a good cook because I don't think I'm a good cook. Mm. And if she or, does, then it might, I can kind of play at for a little while being that person. Right. But of course it's hollow because it's an external validation. So even if your mother-in-law does believe that you're a good cook, if you don't believe you are, you're totally screwed whenever she comes over for a meal because you have to continue to prove that to get the validation from her to maintain that identity. And that's why I think so many of us have these places in our life where we feel like imposters because we've kind of made ourselves imposters. We've pretended to like things or to find things easy or to enjoy things that actually we don't because we've kind of sacrificed our true self in order to try and create an illusion of ourselves in other people's heads. Yeah, that we then have to maintain. Yeah. And I think Instagram is probably a breeding ground for this, where we create a version of ourselves that is, you know, I think of, there's an awful lot of um, people who are kind of Instagram models and they have a version of themselves online that is heavily edited, mm. sometimes not very well, sometimes quite, quite amateurly edited. And then I think, gosh, it must be so hard then to turn up in real life and be seen exactly as you really are. And it, how must that make you feel about who you are in real life when the version of you that's being held up and applauded is not the version of you you know to be true? Yeah, which reminds me of that story of the, the actress. I want to say Greta Garbo, but I'm not sure what it, what it is. I remember the story. I'm, I don't exactly remember who it is, where she was kind of, you know, she was poo-pooing romantic relationships, and she's like, it'll never work. 
And somebody questioned her, why will it never work? And she said, because they go to bed with, let's say, Greta Garbo, and they wake up with whatever her real name was. You know, mm. the person that they are having a relationship with is the person that they have decided I am, not the person I am. And at its basis, and the other way around, that's kind of people pleasing. What you're doing is you're creating a caricature of yourself. In some cases, many caricatures of yourself, be it on Instagram, in real life, at work. And you have to know which hat you're wearing at every given opportunity. It's exhausting. It is a lot of work. I can definitely speak to that. It is so much work because you like, you're kind of playing 3D chess. You have to be so many moves ahead because you're like, right, I need them to think that I'm like, I'm trying to think of an example from my real life because I'm sure there are so many, but like, you know, a lot of the time I want people to think I have more energy than I really do. My energy is rubbish because of my chronic health condition but in my head I think people will think I'm lazy if they see how little energy I have it's like a whole big why do you think that because I sometimes worry that maybe I've made it all up and I'm just lazy for sure and it's like a whole big thing I'm still working on you 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 beautifully just roll that over and you're like you know what if I'm feeling like this somebody else is too and at your core is service so you bring it back to your values and your values are service and, and compassion. You can extend them so easily to other people, but they're so tricky to kind of double back and, and extend to yourself. True. That is so true. And yeah, that's always, you're so right. Whenever anything happens in my life where I'm like, have a little light bulb moment, my first thought is I've got to tell everyone because it's going to help them too, like straight away. <laughs> that's so um, but I don't necessarily do that for myself interesting <laughs> well maybe that's something to question you know, that, well, yeah that, that there is I mean it is quite a it's not a gray area if you look at the results you're going to get and you just question am I doing this because I feel this is the right thing to do this is in line with my values or am I doing it because I want them to x y and z and then i'll feel better or i want the situation to be x y and z and then i'll feel better basically am i choosing my feelings for myself or am i delegating them to the outward masses yeah to to anyone which is deeply fragile and when you delegate things particularly things like confidence when you delegate them to evidence outside of yourself the effort that it takes to maintain that evidence the and and you know this is what I have with my beautiful beautiful people success is slippy Mm. I have a I have achieved this look at the awards look at the achievement these are accomplished smart women but of course as they are smart in their sophisticated brain their primitive brain is also smart and their primitive brain is there whipping the rug out from underneath them as soon as they achieve something it's like well you're only as good as your last victory. What next? What There's someone I follow on Twitter who I see falling into this trap. I'm not sitting in judgment of her, but I see it that whenever she's having a low day, the first thing she does is go to all of Twitter to try and get them to tell her that she's good, that she's good enough, um, like kind of fishing for compliments. And I watch it and, and I think it takes one to know one for sure. And I watch it and I'm always like, oh, I just wish for you that you could give that to yourself. Like that that could be an internal process instead. How is that different from what you did with Instagram? Well, mine was a one-off. <laughs> no, I'm curious. How is that different? 
Um, I think it isn't all that different, but what I did with Instagram was I needed a reminder in that moment. And Sally is talking about, I posted recently, I posted on Twitter as well, actually, like if my work has helped you at any point, can you tell me about it? And that was very much, I, I had lost sight when you're really low and I've been so low lately, lost sight of, is there any point in anything I'm doing? Is there any point in life? Mm-hmm. And so I was saying, I can't find this in myself right now. Can can you guys give it to me? And I think it's okay to do that sometimes. I think external validation is not a, is not dangerous. It's not a bad thing. It's yeah. when we only rely, it's the only tool we have, yes. that it becomes kind of toxic because you can't control all the people all the time yeah. and there's like I think it's from a Christian rapper but it's like a thing I found on Pinterest that says if you live by other people's acceptance you'll die by their rejection and oh, I think that yeah. that's that's the bottom line yeah for that yeah and I think that's a really important thing to say because we do as humans have this kind of all or nothing belief system where it's either right or it's wrong it's something we should do quote unquote something that we shouldn't do something that the world accepts something that the world doesn't accept like this very little gray area given to us naturally so we have to create that and i think your point is so important validation as in achievements and success and the things that you can see in the world, materialism, the things that you have in your life that you've chosen to bring in, relationships, these aren't bad things. These are great things and they're to be celebrated. But as you quite rightly say, if you base your entire identity upon them, it's super fragile. And you're also very vulnerable to the opposite because as we know not everyone on the internet is going to say kind things all of the time yeah and of course because our brains are so set up to you know I'm sure you've talked previously in your podcast about the um sort of primitive brain versus the prefrontal cortex but our primitive brain is set up for safety for pleasure and for efficiency so if there is even the slightest sniff of danger for example um you get a thousand lovely comments and one awful one that's the one the brain is going to zero in on Mm -hmm. but there is nothing wrong with that it's when we obsess over the fact that that's the one we're thinking of and we can't get over that and you know it's when we make it something bigger because we think there's something wrong with that there's nothing wrong with it that's what our brain does it seeks out danger and then we recover from it and we move on but if we continue to look to that one thing and obsess over why we are obsessing over it. (laughs) So like obsession on top of obsession, on top of obsession, on top of the original peak of danger, then it becomes this huge thing and it can take over. Well, then you never want to leave the cave because- you never want to leave the cave. Not only was there a tiger there three weeks ago, but in your head, there's been a tiger there ever since. Oh yeah, they've reproduced. There's like, there's a whole <laughs> of them, you know, there's a pack of them. Pack of tigers? What a tiger. Pride of lions. Pride of, pride of saber tooth <laughs> out there just waiting to tear me apart limb from limb. And that's okay that your brain goes there. You just need strategies in place to calm it, to soothe it, to say, you know what? Let's just look at this. Where is the danger? Oh, there isn't any. That's a really uncomfortable feeling don't like it I'm not really going to invite myself into it in the future I think but here look now I'm moving forward and I'm doing something 
that one in a thousand or 10,000 or one in a hundred or even just everybody might have an awful opinion about. And I'm still going to do it. Now that is hard. And that is where the only value I have to help me navigate that feeling and not fall into people pleasing is the question of myself is, is this honest? Yeah. Like, and and I think that serves me in all situations, in the mother-in-law situations, right up to the, like speaking to 200,000 people on Instagram. Like, is this honestly what I think, what I feel, what I want to say, what I believe? Did you um, always feel like that or did that take, did it take practice? Um, I think it took looking up, if I'm really honest. Like it, it takes not being honest and having that horrible feeling of like, oh, I think I said that because I wanted people to think X, Y, Z. Or like I was trying to hide from something. Like that discomfort is the only way I found to really find those edges. And there's still plenty of times when you don't want to be honest because it does feel safer to hide behind the lie. Like in the case of when I was struggling to talk about how I was struggling with my mental health, the fear that people would think that, I wasn't good at my my business anymore. Like that is perfect people pleasing, right? I'm going to pretend that I'm well and happy so that people don't form an opinion of me that I think they might have and I don't want them to have. Mm-hmm. I think it's so, it's such a good route back to what your motivation is when you have a feeling. So when you are worried that somebody is going to judge you for something or when you are um frustrated uh for example like I was this morning with the the Monday hour one I had this kind of frustration thing setting up and I'm like what hang on a minute I feel frustrated or I feel resentful actually resentful is a big one for me I don't know about for you but whenever Mm -hmm. I feel resentful I'm like ah I'm doing something that is out of alignment with me yeah what is that thing that I'm doing and sometimes it's not obvious. Sometimes you have to kind of hope around a little bit and like, well, where am I doing it? Who am I doing it with? Let's narrow the field. This well, is how because, I feel. Where do I feel it? With because we are very well trained to, to people, please. Especially, I think we do it in really sneaky ways with girls. I mean, we do it for everybody, but starts really young with girls to be quiet, to be pretty, to look after other people's emotions, to think about how everyone else is feeling to you know to take care of people to be tidy and so all of this stuff is like an indoctrination in people pleasing the idea that you are responsible for how other people feel and it's your job to do your best to make them always feel happy which is impossible anyway because no one can feel happy all the time it's just based on a fundamental lie it's based on a, a, a belief that we can control other people's emotions and that's not to say that we can't impact them and I think that's where it gets a little kind of fuzzy because mm. because we can impact other people's worlds. We can impact other people's emotions only if they want us to, but we can. And it's kind of a little bit, oh, you know, if I do this, yeah. it will make them happy. You know, in my perception, it will make them happy. It will give them potentially more space, more time. And I believe that those things are essential to that person. And therefore, so then you have to come back to yourself. Well, why am I doing it? And that's, I think, what makes people pleasing and this kind of pupil manipulation so seductive is it works about 10% of the time, kind of. If it didn't work at all, none of us would indulge in it, right? Because yeah. it would be completely futile. We all can think of a situation where 
we we people pleased or we put on a bit of an act and it seemed to work and and we seem to benefit from it and that is the thing that keeps our brain going back to it that's what makes it so dangerous because you can live your whole life trying to pander to the thoughts of other people which ultimately you just have no control over and when it really counts like you have no control if you accidentally kill someone you nothing you do no matter if people pleasing will convince the judge (laughs) that's like my bottom line like if it was really possible people would be getting off with crimes by people pleasing clearly that's really good it's not that powerful (laughs) but of course our brain we actually have neurological processes going on in our brain that predispose us to this so we we mirror other people we are in effect we're kind of this supercharged machine for learning from other people how to be and how to be accepted because yes. that that was that was survival so then you move that that forward and we have these predispositions we've got we've got mirroring we've got the you know the belief that our way of seeing the world is the right way we we want to be part of the tribe these are these are neurological things these are things that happen pre behavioral training in the world they they are part of our brain and we try so hard to be like the other people and yet who do we want to lead us people who are authentic so we're not like everyone else yeah i know so it's like well hang on a minute does that what does this mean what i kind of i want to be the same as everybody else and be in the tribe but i but i get such reward from being me so you know how do i know which you know which what's the cost which list do I like best? Which reason do I like best? Do I want to be this? You know, there's nothing wrong with either of them. If you want to continue your life people pleasing and you, you know, and that's your choice, that's your intentional choice, have at it. No, it's limitations, but have at it. I was thinking about this this morning, actually, before the podcast, in the context of um, good manners. Mm. The whole, like, construct of what good manners is are I so I was like partially raised by my grandparents my mom had mental health issues and so they did a lot of the raising of us and my grandma was a real stickler for like proper Edwardian manners and table manners and so they were all of these rules you're not allowed to drink anything with your food you have to use your fork like you know the upside down way (laughs) the curve facing downwards like a rainbow Mm -hmm. and no elbows on the table and all of these rules and the rules don't exist because they make sense they don't exist because they're useful or they're convenient or because they you know keep us safe they exist because a group of people decided at some point in time that these behaviors communicate good morals and that you are a polite person yeah and so now even now I think some table manners are probably dying out but even now like if I'm in a situation where I'm like eating around people I don't know very well I slip into the table manners and I do perfect table manners because interesting it is it is the rule book I was given of like this is how you control what other people will think of you and the flip side of it is like if you don't do it people will think bad things of you Mm, so you have manners that are people pleasing but I think all manners people pleasing do you think all manners are people pleasing to an extent you think they are even if you choose them well so this is where it gets messy right so I have Ola she's seven and she at the moment she's going through this thing where she like if she's enjoying food she just chews with her mouth open and it's noisy and my husband finds it 
utterly intolerable, like the noise of it puts him on edge. So he was telling her the other day, we were in the car and she was eating and he was like, you can't eat like that. People will think you're rude. And Ola, for all of her merits and how I've raised her, said, but I don't care what other people think of me. Yeah. And I was like, shit, that's right. That's where I've spent my whole life trying to get back to is like not caring what other people think of me because it shouldn't matter if people think you're eating in the right or wrong way like oh but it is so tricky though isn't it because we've got I mean there there it does matter at the same time yeah I mean there are things that oh yeah I get kind of oh a bit funny about the whole thing because it's uh, you know what I, yes, I want my children to have free will, but I also want them to know the rule book that everybody else has. And so that's where I landed on it with all that, is I was like, I don't want you to not eat the way you want to eat because you're trying to control everybody else's opinion or because you're scared they'll think you're a bad person. I don't want that. But I want you to know that you have a choice. And if you eat in that way, a lot of people have a rule that eating that way is rude. Yeah. and you get to choose whether it's the way you want to eat in front of other people if that makes any sense and I guess it's the difference between because inevitably at some point in our life someone's going to think we're rude whether we follow all the rules precisely like my grandma was like don't put your washing out on a Sunday that's rude <laughs> the rule book was lengthy by her standards we're all rude um someone's going to think it at some point and if you teach yourself or you teach your child that other people thinking you're rude means you've failed then that becomes a core belief that they have to please other people in order to be worthy whereas what I was trying to teach her is people might have this thought if you do this and that's fine and they can have that thought but you get to choose whether you want to consider their comfort or not yeah you get to choose what you want to make it mean yeah I guess that is it and it's this is why it's so blurry and so messy and why I think people pleasing is always going to be a part of all of our lives to some extent because we do want the people around us to feel happy and comfortable and cared for and considered and that's not all bad Mm -hmm. but when we need them to feel any certain way in order to feel okay ourselves it becomes I think like maladaptive yeah then but it's also addictive yes you have to keep getting that hit so you have to keep getting those followers on instagram because you put a picture out and x amount of thousand people's like it fine then you keep producing the same thing and you could be polite 90% of the time and do all the rules but then one day someone pops over unexpected and catches you like that's anyway. it then you're done for that's then you're it forever. then you're then you're not you're not well mannered and it's it, so it doesn't count for anything like it's not like you're building a belief about yourself by performing these yeah. actions and it's so tricky as well because not everybody has the same rule book. <laughs> well, that and and as someone who really did try and learn all the rule books for all the things, like I thought that was how you became a successful adult. I have to say, it, yeah, the rule books make no sense. Everyone has a different copy. Everyone holds it to different standards. And what happens if you try and follow everybody's rules is you become really odd. <laughs> become really socially strange. Yeah, and and you fall into also perfectionism as well which is which just stops you being 
as amazing as you could be in the world because you are holding yourself to other people's standards, but to perfect standards, whatever that means, whatever your version of perfect is, that can interrupt absolutely everything in life. So every year I try and choose a word for the year that kind of gives me a focus. And my word for this year is acceptance. Oh, thank um, God. I thought you were going to say perfect. Like, oh, we need <laughs> to have a chat. It. This is the year I'm going to become perfect. My God, it would take me more than a year. <laughs> um, acceptance. And acceptance in the sense, like, I'm probably going to do a whole podcast on this because I think I thought for a long time that acceptance was like resigning yourself to something like tolerating Mm. but much more acceptance in the sense of like someone gives you a gift that they think might be too big and they say will you accept this and you take it you take it and so that acceptance is where I'm really working right now and I think it feeds into people pleasing so much because if we accept that there are parts of ourselves that we might not like and that other people might find a bit annoying too but accept that that's who we are and that doesn't mean that we're not committed to always trying to improve and change ourselves but like an example for me is I have ADHD I don't close cupboard doors I open the wardrobe I look for what I'm looking that's for that's so funny because I also have ADHD <laughs> and I go around the house closing cupboard doors <laughs> you're the opposite so my brain just can't it just it just it's not that I don't want to close cupboard doors it's not that I don't like them closed my brain just doesn't remember to close them. And in fact, when we got our wardrobes built, the guy that built them, we've got this amazing local carpenter who's just the quirkiest character. And he was like, I was going to just put them on magnetic closures. And then he was like, actually, I've decided to put these on this set. And they're like little wooden twists. And you just turn it. You only have to turn it like 45 degrees to lock the wardrobe and keep the doors closed. Because And he was like, because that's nothing, is it? That's no trouble to do that. And I stood there going, yeah, yeah, thinking, I will never ever close those wardrobes this is why you need me in your life there are (laughs) self-close mechanisms that you just have to do the first little bit of it and the rest of it and i I should have said that to him but i didn't want to say to him i'm someone who never closes things neil please don't put those on my wardrobe so i went great yeah i love them and now i never close the wardrobes and we throw ourselves under the bus with this don't we right and if i had been in acceptance of who i am Mm. Instead of rejecting and hating and, and shaming that part of myself, feeling bad about the fact that I'm someone who doesn't close things, I would have said, uh, they look great, but like, actually, I have a problem with keeping things closed. Can we have like magnetic closures that just do it automatically? Yeah. And it would have been easier. So that's where I think acceptance comes into this. It's not refusing to change and it's not just saying, oh, I'm, you know, I'm a bad person, I'll stay here. But it's, it's noticing, like, actually, what a waste of my energy it is to try and force myself against, like, a neurodevelopmental disorder in my brain that does not notice that wardrobes need closing. Mm. I could focus on that for a year, or I could focus on being an amazing mum, an amazing wife, and building my business. And I think that's probably a better place for me to put that energy. Mm. Well, interesting, actually, that in that, what you're doing is you're establishing value what are my values where do I want to be paying attention I think that's one of the that's one of the keys and kind of I have some walk away tips for all of the lovely people listening in terms of um uh, sort of overcoming people pleasing give me them all please (laughs) well I'll give you them from the beginning but just remember that I'm talking about values right now and that's the segue (laughs) 
stunning. Uh, and so the first part of it, I mean, really everything that we're talking about, I'm hoping will have resonated with at least one person out there because the first part of overcoming this as a behavior, if you decide indeed that you do want to overcome it, is awareness. Mm. It's looking at your life and seeing the patterns. So, for example, your story about the, the wardrobe, that's what, okay, where else do I do that? Where else do I make these um, kind of little um, giveaways? which are so small at the time, but actually, yeah, but they're, they're a, um, what's the word when you do something, uh, they're a compromise, they're a compromise that actually are way more than a compromise, so you think you're compromising in the moment, oh, you've done this for me, you think it's really nice, well, I want to make you happy, so I'll accept it, without longevity, Oh, and every single day for the rest of my goddamn life, I'm going to be looking at an open wardrobe. And while my brain doesn't remember to close the doors, it annoys me that they're open. It annoys my family that yes. they're open. Blah, 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 blah. And added to that is I made that concession because I didn't want him to think I was lazy. Concession, that's the word. And so every time I don't close the wardrobe door, there's a tiny part of my brain that is like, because you're lazy. Oh, right. How interesting. Whereas if we just got the magnetic closures, the doors would be closed and I wouldn't be having that little stab in my brain every time. You've got a daily reminder. That's of, yeah, because I, I made it true because I, I, I people pleased him and made it like made my reality a proof that I am lazy. Mm. Okay, you still need to get that fixed. Like, <laughs> yeah, like put that on your to-do list. <laughs> This seems small, but it's actually it's bigger than that. I think this needs attention. But I think that that is what we do in so many places and so many areas. Exactly. And when you start to see that kind of a pattern, you're like, oh, I don't just do it here. I do it when somebody asks me, oh, I don't know, um, what would I like to eat tonight? And I sort of think I would like, I don't know, if there's a which takeaway would you like? And I really want an Indian. And I say, I don't know, I don't mind. Whatever, whatever you, you choose. Yeah. And they choose Chinese. And they choose Chinese <laughs> or tacos or whatever. And you're like, oh, rats. And it's, it's little things like that where you give away the authority of your own life. When you start to see these patterns, then you become more and more aware of them. This is not to start beating yourself up about. This is just, ah, oh, okay. Now I understand the potentially the resentfulness I was talking about, you know, kind of like catching a feeling and then tracing it backwards like ah now I see this kind of underlying malaise is due to the fact that I'm just giving away all of the things that matter to me to somebody else I'm giving Mm. them responsibility for my emotion them responsibility for my life and actually if I start to take that back I can change it and this can happen in friendships and work relationships and romantic relationships with postman not romantic (laughs) with the postman that was well maybe in some cases (laughs) i mean you know how you treat people how you talk about yourself if somebody compliments you do you throw it away Mm. internally or externally yeah because it's not good you know going back to what you were talking about previously it's not good manners it's not good manners to accept a compliment you look great today oh what this old thing it cost me Mm. 50p at sale and whatever you know we throw compliments away that's somebody else's opinion that we're dismissing so for the people pleasers out there if you think of it that way sometimes that can be a nice little hook to not doing it <laughs> so like actually they're giving me something nice and i'm throwing it back in their face um and then the second part of it which comes back to what you were just talking about in terms of values is 
once we have this awareness, we can see where we're giving ourselves away. In fact, you're looking for external validation to prop our, prop our identity up, our side identity, our identity up. We can also then begin to establish who we are. So what values do I want to have? How do I want to show up in the world? What relationship do I want to have with this person, be it work relationship or parental or what sibling, you know, whatever? Who do I want to be? And you can find your own voice for this. And now quite a few of my clients struggle to find their own voice because, I mean, I have this theory. I've done a little Instagram video on it. I don't know if you watched it, but my theory is that when we're born, we get given a bus and the keys and there's fuel in and the engine's going, but we're tiddly tiny. We have no idea how to drive it. If you haven't already heard this, you're going to have to bear with me a second, Sarah. <laughs> I swear it's going somewhere. So we have other people on the bus who have longer legs than us and they can kind of take over some of the driving for a bit. So our parents come on or our primary caregivers come on. And they give us lots of information. This is how you do it. This is how fast you go. This is the direction. This is what a road is. They give us all the best of their knowledge to the best of their ability, which may be exceptional or it may be fairly shit, depending on the luck of life. They come on board. They give us all of their information. And more people come on board as we go through life. We have friends. We have aunts. We have uncles. We that have mean teacher. That mean teacher. That's actually... That's someone who was on my bus for a really long time. <laughs> I very almost said his name, but actually just in case. <laughs> um, yeah, so we have all of these people on. Every single person on the bus has a different opinion about everything, about how fast the bus should be going, about where the bus should end up. Some people, I said in my clip, some people think it should be a party bus. Some mm. people think it should be a bus that just goes immediately from A to B without any stop off. Some people think... You should stop every little scenic point and have a look through all of these voices, all of this chatter going on in the background can stop us as we get older from knowing the direction that we want to drive in and the speed that we want to get there at, knowing the route that we want to take. In effect, finding the driver's voice. Other people are driving the bus while they're chattering away. We're doing just exactly what they're saying, but we're going to get to their destination. We're not going to get to our own. And you only get one bus. You only get one bus. So finding the driver's voice, finding your own voice is something that quite a few of my clients struggle with. But it's really important to recognize, firstly, that it's always there. You can't damage it. It's, it's like self-worth. It is self-worth, in effect. It's the voice of your self-worth. It doesn't go away. You can't, not even your opinion of yourself can damage it. It's just, it just sits there waiting for you for however long it needs to wait and a really good tip for finding your own voice it's super super simple it's a little bit I say it's simple but it's not easy and it's only not easy for lack of repetition the more you do it the easier it gets and it's have a question that that means something to you that matters to you and uh, <laughs> it's so simple ask yourself for the answer mm. ask your brain for the answer but crucially because all the chatter will start all the chatter wait just wait until you hear your answer and then listen to it you'll know it's yours you just you can't not know 
you might have to wait a long time. You might have to, particularly in the beginning, ask yourself the question a number of times. But giving yourself permission to wait and hear your answer is absolutely crucial. And when you hear it, listen to it. You don't have to do anything right then and there. I think this is where people are like, oh, I heard it. I must go. Stop and think. Think about the answer that you've got. Think about the question that you asked and the answer that you got and then decide what you want to do. So that that act of making the decision is really important. Not just I've heard a voice, I'm going, because that's what the chatter has been doing. You hear the voice you do. You hear the, yeah. voice, you hear the voice you answer this way, not that way. This is your voice. Do you want to do what your voice is recommending or do you want to follow the answer of your voice so you decide whether you do whether you don't and neither's wrong neither's wrong and then you do your decision you put it into action but crucially you always have your own back so no matter what the results of this if you decide to follow your voice or if you decide not to no matter what the results are you have your own back so if you look at the result as something that you feel was successful, then great, celebrate. Doesn't mean anything about you. If you look at the results as a failure, then great, it's data, learn from it. It doesn't mean anything about you. You can't increase your self-worth and you cannot decrease it. In a way, you, you can't take credit for your own self-worth. It just is. It's just a, a circumstance of life. And that grasping that is hard. And that is the thing that makes, I think, dropping the people pleasing so scary is when we don't really believe yet that our value as a human is not determined by what other people think of us. It's not determined by how well we follow the manuals and the rule books. It's not determined on how polite we are. It just is. We are intrinsically valuable regardless of what we do and don't do. Yeah, but it becomes easier to believe the more you have your own back because you're learning that you trust yourself no matter what. Yes. And when you trust yourself no matter what, then you value yourself no matter what. And when you know what your values are, you can put strategies and techniques in place to support them. You can put boundaries in place to support them. You can develop practices to support them. It's where it begins. What do I want to do? Why do I want to do it? Such a simple question and so hard to answer. (laughs) (laughs) But then, you know, doing that and setting your own boundaries and this, like the most, the the biggest part of it is having your own back no matter what. It works. And there's, I mean, there's nothing more I can add to that. It works. Sally, before we wrap up, I would love to hear from you. What is your most ridiculous example of people pleasing in your own life that you look back on now and think what on earth was I doing apart from just before I came onto this podcast having a complete podcast having a complete (laughs) flap about people won't be able to understand me because of my accent or people you know all of that kind of stuff all of that (laughs) I must must please the people um and please Sarah of course I think the, the the biggest one which uh was a bit of a turning point for me was a number of years ago well, quite some years ago, actually, it was before my husband and I were married, we moved into a new house and our neighbours invited us over for a meal and um, they were quite elderly 
and she the 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 wife of the two came over and said you know look you know really happy to have you coming over for a meal at the weekend is there anything that you can or can't eat and I unfortunately have a few allergies so I'm allergic to shellfish um, and I have a reaction to strawberries and oranges I come out in a, a full rash I mean the, the shellfish reaction is uh, you know pretty hideous but one second sorry the kitten is screaming to be let out hold on <laughs> so I explained to her that I'm allergic to shellfish and that oranges and, and strawberries bring me out in a rash and because of the shellfish allergy I don't I didn't I'm a bit better now but I didn't used to really enjoy fish just by association anyhow we head over to their house come the weekend and this was all pre-kids so you know the, the gin and tonics were large and you know everything was um, was wonderful in fact I would say the tonic and gin there was significantly more gin to tonic um and perhaps that that sort of helped ease me into what came because as we sat down for the meal I you know that quite sort of old-fashioned talking about manners quite old-fashioned the dining table was set in a separate room all the silver was out everything was looking absolutely beautiful and this massive platter in the middle of the table which was completely covered in prawn cocktail prawns obviously shellfish <laughs> with kind of like a, a, a like a small lobster I don't really know what they're called like a longestine I think I've watched Master Chef enough to like one of those things mm -hmm. and all of these little prawns all around the outside and my, and my husband, well, he wasn't my husband at the time, but um, looked at me and and I looked at him and we sat down and I popped the napkin on my um, on my lap and I began eating as this got dished up to me. And he he's sort of looking at me with his eyes nearly falling out of his head because he <laughs> he knew that I was allergic, but he's never kind of witnessed the allergy because you I, don't do you know, it. obviously I don't often eat <laughs> So he's like, you know, I can see him going, well, she's going to go, she's going to go. Um, and I thought that's fine that's fine I'm just sort of I'm I'm you know I we don't really know them I don't want to make a fuss don't want to make a fuss recognize that don't want to make a fuss mm. or a scene they've been super kind this has clearly cost them you know quite a bit of money I don't want to be rude so I ate the prawn cocktail main course comes and it's <laughs> it's a full salmon including the head like the eye was just kind of mm. cooked but looking at me and um and you know other kind of bits and pieces around the outside other little you know little things with shells on around the outside and I was like oh yay <laughs> when I sat and I, I and I and I ate that as well just the salmon on this it's just self-harm oh god you know I look back and I'm like what just what anyhow I thought that's fine got through got through the meal but being traditional they also had pudding and they bring in a pavlova and actually I absolutely love pavlova it was covered in strawberries and oranges like cream <laughs> on top and all, it beautifully laid out and it just looked it looked gorgeous and Mark looked at me and I was like well, you know in for the penny and I just and I tucked into that as well so the following two days that I spent on my own in bed with a sick bucket and top to toe in calamine lotion even though I knew calamine lotion wasn't going to help with the rash it just kind of made me feel better to be doing something it gave me an awful lot of time to consider what I'm you know we spoke earlier on about throwing yourself under the bus how big a bus I am prepared to throw myself under to not make a scene to not be rude for someone else's like mild comfort <laughs> so like that's all she got right it's like mild forgettable comfort of a dinner oh, guest eating what was on the plate. The drama that I had, honestly Sarah, I had this whole thing in my head, it was like if I tell them 
they're going to be shattered. They're going to be, you know, they're going to, because clearly she had asked me what you can and can't have. I had told her and she clearly heard Oh, this is all the stuff she loves. We're totally going to pull out back. Like, there was oh, she was a sadist of some sort. Well, actually, looking back, I might have taken that wrong. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, they were just the most gorgeous people. And I was desperate to manage their emotions. And as a consequence, was horribly, horribly, horribly sick. And this, you know, this wasn't the first time I had done something like this. I had gone to the extreme of putting my own health on the line to help someone else's or to, because I believed that not doing so would be worse than doing so yeah a thousand percent I can I, I could do not have enough fingers to count all the times I have made myself like put myself in bed for days by pushing myself past the limits of my fatigue in order to like I could tell myself it's in order to like show up or be helpful or be a good friend but really it's in order for the other person to not think I'm lazy because I don't want to think I'm lazy yeah for the other person to think you're showing up for the other person to think that you're a good friend which is as you said it's just manipulation I'm just not giving them the opportunity to know the true me and make their own mind up and everyone has the right to that yeah It's, it's the truth it's the truth but that's also that can be underneath imposter syndrome because we genuinely aren't being ourselves and we don't think who we are is acceptable right well if I show you me you won't love me sure I'll show you this version of me and if you love this version of me then that proves that the real me is horrible and I can't take any comfort from you loving the version of me because it's not the real me so you it's don't even such <laughs> a self-licking lollipop utterly unhelpful utterly so Sally if people want to go further with this work and take it to the next level from the steps you've shared today, mm. I know you have a free program. Tell me more. I do. I do. It is called Stop People Pleasing in Five Days. And it deals with some of the things that we've already talked about. So um, how to recognize it. It, it. it basically takes you. It's a full coaching program. This is something that I do have to say. It's not um, a sort of a, a, a platitude Pinterest sticky board stuff it's a it's a proper working on yourself coaching program and it takes you through a relationship with one person you just choose one you then you can roll it out to as many people as you want to but you have one person of focus through this and it just sort of takes you through the awareness of what it is that you're doing why it is that you're doing it how to put a boundary in place how to sort of understand what um what what's the word love what's the word that comes before that unconditional helps you understand how things like unconditional love work why you want it what your lovability is and it deals with things like how how it's possible this involves boundaries but how it's possible to have unconditional love for someone and also to disagree with them or to not approve of their behavior which is something that can be really quite a sticky subject for people um and it's, I mean, I think it's marvellous. We had wonderful feedback from it. Um, it was going to be a, a free resource that I was offering people for December of 2020, understanding that it, you know, it's been an interesting year. Hmm. Uh, and relationships have been under a lot of stress. People themselves have been under a lot of stress. And very often when we're under stress, whatever the thing is that we do gets magnified. So whether that's concerns about your health that will get magnified concerned about your money that will get magnified people pleasing 
has been magnified. So people have been thrown into situations where they're spending way more time with people or way less time with people than they normally would. And that has just twisted relationships in a way that has been a perfect breeding ground for people pleasing. Yes. So it was going to be free just for December, but actually I've had really good feedback on it. Um, really good feedback on it, which I'm very grateful for. So if you are listening and you're one of the people who has fed back, thank you very much. I really do appreciate it. It's not why I'm doing it, of course, not to people, please. But it's really <laughs> nice to know that these things land. Um, so I've decided to make it evergreen, uh, you know, a, a free program forever. Which is amazing. Where can people get hold of it then? So it is on my website, which is sallyhardy.com. Again, S-A-L-L-Y-H-A-R-D-I-E.com forward slash stop people pleasing. So very easy to find. I also have on my Instagram account, I've got little videos that I put up there quite regularly. So this um, how to find your own voice, for example, is uh, an IGTV video that I've got so you can just go to my Instagram account which is Sally Hardy underscore coach um, and while you're on my website you can have a little ferret around I've got lots of downloadable things that you can use so for example I've got a little download um, little audio and a worksheet on um, why you're do why you're repeating a behavior so it's, it's called why am I doing this um, and it deals with why it is that we're repeating a behavior that we don't want to repeat and how to break that cycle. So there's loads of good stuff on there. It's all free. Amazing. And I can definitely vouch for everything you put out because you are a superstar and your quality is always amazing. Sally, thank you very much. Thank you so much for coming and talking on the podcast today. I suspect we will be recording more episodes together in future. And I hope you get a big, lovely internet hug from all of my wonderful listeners who I'm sure will have taken so much value from everything you shared today. Well, thank you so much for having me on. It's been a complete pleasure and my podcast virginity is lost. Your and cherry has been popped. <laughs> <laughs> wow. <laughs> you can it if you want. Um, no, that's staying in. Oh my God, that's staying. The show notes for this episode can be found in your podcast app or at meandorla.co.uk forward slash podcast 99 you'll also find all the details of that class the insta retreat where you can speak with both me and sally get coaching each week and really work on growing your instagram but growing your mindset at the same time so that you're able to weather whatever the next social media storm throws at you i hope you have enjoyed this episode i'm going to be back with you with a brand new conversation very very soon have an awesome week <laughs>